Hello health champions, welcome back to another episode of The Taboo Doctor, previously known as A Slice of Health. This is the health podcast where no subject is off the table and we answer all the taboo health questions that you've always been afraid to ask. Join me and my friends from all over the world as we demystify healthcare and wellness. It is our aim to turn you into a health champion wherever you go as you slice health fact away from health fiction. Make sure you tell a friend or two to join the revolution. Follow us on social media and also watch the recordings of all our episodes on our YouTube channel, Taboo Doctor. Don't forget that this episode in no way replaces advice from your own healthcare worker or physician. Please be reminded that all the views shared on the podcast reflects the personal and professional views of our guests. I hope you enjoyed the episode. See you on the other side. Hello health champions, welcome back to another episode of The Taboo Doctor. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about sexual health, especially when it comes to millennial men. And today we are joined by Dr. Iyala Douglas-Peppel, who is an NHS GP registrar. He is also a YouTuber and he encourages immigrant doctors on how to succeed within the NHS health system. Welcome, Dr. Peppel. Thank you very much. Uh, It's good to be here. I hope we'll have a very lovely and robust conversation. I hope so too. <laughs> Tell us a lot about yourself. Yeah, uh, really nothing much to say. Uh, I'm Nigerian. Um, I work in the NHS. Uh, I've been in the country for uh, about six years now. Uh, so I'm a medical doctor. Um, presently, I'm a GP registrar. Uh, I've got special interest in uh, sexual reproductive health and adolescent gynecology because uh, I've got a postgraduate degree from the UK in uh, reproductive medicine, IVF, and stuff like that. So I'm quite passionate about um, talking about uh, sexual health for young people and also I'm involved in um, kind of offering advisory services to international medical graduates who are migrating to practice in the UK. That is awesome. And how did you get involved in doing that? Because obviously your videos are a huge hit on YouTube and yeah. you do the mentoring sessions, you've got the Facebook groups, you've got the club mm. training. There's so much that you do for immigrant yeah. doctors. So how did you get into, into doing that and how did it become such a huge success, which it is now? Um, I don't know if it's a huge success, if I'm a huge successful one, but... Uh, well, so what happened is that, you know, sometimes you come to a place and uh, you kind of make mistakes and uh, for sake of goodwill, you don't want people who are coming after you to go through the same hurdle. So you just want to make things a bit easier for them. So when I came in, um, I realized that it was quite difficult to get the information I needed to get my feet like running in the NHS. So. I made a couple of mistakes and all that. And my friends keep messaging me from abroad asking how do they get to do the same thing I've done. So I just feel like instead of answering them one after the other, I can just make like a general video so anyone who is in similar situation can find it quite useful and helpful. So that was how I started. And um, surprisingly, it got accepted by a lot of people and I'm quite happy for that. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And I think, you know, you've become such a resource for so many people. Um, and so people normally signpost people to your YouTube channels, um, mm. to watch those videos. And I think 
it's so amazing when we turn things that have hurt us into victory for somebody else. It, um, it, exactly. it, it's really great. It's like, they, it's like the religious people say that you turn your own uh, mess into a message. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that's awesome. So today we're talking about, obviously, a topic that is passionate, um, part mm. of your passion. And we're talking mm. about sexual health in millennial men. When we talk about millennial men and maybe also in terms of black men as well, yeah, what do you want young millennial men to know about their sexual health? Mm. It's quite interesting, you know, to know, especially because of your your handle and what you do, taboo doctor. So you're just trying to demystify a whole lot of things, and I think it's quite timely, especially for black young men. Uh, I would say cultural practices and practices and all this kind of stuff have kind of shrouded this topic in sort of uh, secrecy or whatever. People are not comfortable talking about it. Meanwhile, it affects the very essence of our being. So for young people, for millennials, especially black people, um, sexual health is quite pivotal in so many things because if we get it right, then we'll probably get our well-being up and running. Um, as it relates to how we take care of ourselves and how we expect people or significant other people who are who we are in relationship with to also respond to issues uh, concerning sexual satisfaction, sexual knowledge, hygiene, satisfaction, meeting expectations, and having a conversation around it. You know. Yeah, yeah, that is so important. And you know, you were talking about you know taboo doctor and things and I what I found mm. over the period is that women seem to be more open mm. um, talking about these kind of things or reaching out to you know ask questions or send questions in when I say oh I'm having so and so on the podcast to talk about something do you want to yeah. send questions in and you know we mm. had a sex coach a few weeks ago and a lot of mm. women sent questions in but no men sent questions in and for today as well men haven't sent questions in as a man as a yeah. man and as a yeah. man can you talk yeah. to us a bit about that before we get into the science and the health about that sort of social aspect and the cultural aspect that prevents men from seeking out help and also talking mm. about things that affect them i think i think naturally men feel have this superiority ego feel like we should be all knowing and uh asking someone else for help especially in this aspect seems like he's being subservient you know and that's what most men don't like mm -hmm. also your channel seem to i mean you i think you're on the channel so mm -hmm. going to a female counselor or mm -hmm. going to a lady to talk about things that happen down there is a bit some people may cringe at their thoughts mm. but i think with education with breaking cultural barriers people are beginning to be a bit more assertive people are beginning to be a bit more open trying to take things you know their health especially in their hands and i think it's quite important for people to for men you know to seek for help it doesn't matter who you're looking or who you're going to for this help if you feel it's important, the upbringing, the cultural norms, the traditional barriers and everything, which sort of seem to be the default setting of men. Mm -hmm. These are things that we should use information to break, mm -hmm. you know, realize that you've got a problem. That's the starting point. Yeah. 
you've got a problem, how do you go about it? You need to get help. Where do you get this help from? It doesn't matter where. In as much as it's quality help, eventually it's going to help you to... Because sexual health, sexual uh, education affects every aspect of your life, especially your mental health as well. When there is stress in a relationship, when there are issues, unresolved, unspoken issues, somehow, sometimes, it points towards uh, unfulfilled sexual expectations. Mm -hmm. And if that's not addressed, it means you're not touching the root of the matter. Mm -hmm. And that's why this enlightenment, this uh, conversation, and all this effort towards trying to demystify all these things are quite important. That, that's what I think. That is great. That is so important. So why does yeah. safe sex matter? Mm. Safe sex. <laughs> safe sex actually matters because um, when we're talking about safe sex, we're talking about practices and, uh, you know, sexual practices that will lead to preventing or reducing transmission of sexually transmitted infections, STIs, STDs, and also to prevent uh, unwanted pregnancies. Okay, uh, unwanted pregnancies has its uh, implications on the health of the person, mm -hmm. the society, and even the economy of mm -hmm. a nation. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's for unwanted. Then, if you talk about uh, STIs and STDs, apart from the immediate acute problems in terms of health implications, uh, if it's not treated properly and on time, the complications may lead to. Uh, compromising your, your your fertility and also even your your life mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So, if you don't want this end this uh, adverse end outcomes, then it's important that we start talking about safe sex. And what's that safe sex? We're talking about how do we engage in you know sexual parties that are pleasurable, that are convenient, and that are fulfilling to all the parties involved. Mm -hmm. And that is what safe sex is all about and so on a practical level what does that look like for a young man what does safe sex look like for a young man so for a young man on a practical level it is you are in a relationship with a lady or you're in a relationship with someone it doesn't matter uh the, the gender yeah so if you're in a relationship with someone then you have to decide how do we want to consummate our relationship what uh what patterns what practices, and when I say practices, I mean, uh, sexual relationship will be, in terms of intercourse, will be either oral, will be anal, uh, will be vaginal, you know. So how, what routes of sexual uh, intercourse are we going and how do we want to protect ourselves? Yeah. Bear in mind uh, where we're coming from in terms of past sexual histories. So uh, the person you're with now probably has a past sexual experience with someone else and you don't know what has happened or the outcome of that experience and now you are with this person you probably would have been with someone else so you see it's just like a chain reaction mm -hmm. so we young people need to define now that you've been with people in the past you don't know what's happened how do we not have any complication or any problem in our present relationship so that means we need to sort ourselves out we need to uh, probably get tested uh, probably make sure that we're starting on a background of, you know, uh, of everything being on the right, in the right perspective. So it's about young people, people who are involved in sexual relationship, deciding how they, what kind of sexual practice they want to go ahead with 
and how they want to sort out any issue that must have uh, that lingered so they don't bring it into their new relationship and to remain safe and you know continue having pleasurable sexual experiences going forward yeah and so a lot of times when we talk about safe sex especially for men we talk about getting tested first mm. of all and then we then talk about using condoms and barrier methods in, mm. in the sexual encounters whether it is with a male partner a female partner or regardless mm. of gender so in terms of initially going to the getting tested part because that goes back to what we were talking about in terms of people seeking out help and seeking mm -hmm. out knowledge and information when would you say that a young man should go to get tested and how frequently should he get tested depending on his lifestyle and sexual preferences? Yes, so uh, that's quite a good one, but let's kind of uh, debunk a myth. People think you only go get tested if you've got symptoms or if you've got STIs. Mm -hmm. And so the symptoms they will probably look out for will be if you've got burning sensation when you want to wee mm -hmm. or when uh, when you have sex, you have like pain on penetration mm -hmm. or you have some injuries, sores or something around your genitals and all those things. Uh, and if you, oh, if you've got this abnormal discharge, then you need to go get tested, that's fine. But that is not really uh, the only reason why people should get tested depends on what country you live in though if it's in the uk for instance i know that young people people who are below the age of 25 get annually tested so you get tested for uh, sexually transmitted uh, infections and most likely the ones they're looking for will be uh, things like chlamydia which is the highest um, gonorrhea you know and a whole lot of them one of the reasons is because these uh, infections are mostly asymptomatic so when we say asymptomatic for people who are just who are listening, asymptomatic means you might have the infection, but you're not manifesting any symptom. So you just probably go ahead spreading and just passing this to everyone you come in contact with. Mm -hmm. So just to make sure we nip that in the bud, then we say, look, everyone go get tested once every year if you are under um, 25. And uh, it might also be, you might also get tested even more than once a year depends on uh, risk factors you have if you've had uh unprotected sexual intercourse with someone else uh who's not your normal partner you know what whenever you are in doubt or you just feel something is wrong and you start contemplating or oh, should i or should i not that means you need to get tested mm -hmm. so that's just it uh, apart from all the normal things they will say or oh, if you've had sexually transmitted infection uh or if you had the symptoms after two weeks we need to test you um, if you have a risky behavior, if you've gone on holidays and you've had sexual uh, contact with someone, you need to get tested. Uh, like the one I mentioned earlier, for people who, young people having been tested every every year, uh, people who have who are going for, let's say, for instance, termination of pregnancy, yeah. uh, you also need to get tested before you have the procedure done. The reason for doing that is just so we are clear that you haven't got any infection that will probably complicate the whole procedure because some people can have a post-abortion sepsis that's like having an infection after or as a result of termination of pregnancy so all these categories of people need to be tested but in a nutshell if this whole information is too much for you what i would say is whenever you are in doubt or you start thinking oh 
I'm not sure of what happened uh, when I had sex with this person. Did the condom or something burst, or was there any spillage of you know semen or sperm or something? Whenever you are in doubt, you just need to get tested. And the good thing is, I think testing is free. Mm. Yeah, it's free in the UK. I don't know how it is in other parts of the world. Yeah. Yeah, that is really important. And I really like how you, you talked about the importance of getting tested even when you don't have symptoms, getting yeah. tested when, you know, you had different sexual partners or you've gotten into a new relationship. What about people who are in long-term relationships? What do you advise in terms of testing there? Um, so that's a tricky one. People who are in long-term relationship, because most times people start out uh okay meeting someone new and we just go ahead probably using a barrier method of contraception like condom or something and it gets to the point and they just say oh you know what look we've gone past this stage can we not just start having this without so meaning they are having penetrative sex without any form of protection yeah. and the assumption is that we are faithful to each other isn't it yeah and you just keep going but if you start having symptoms at that point, I mean, you are in an established relationship now, and probably this person has a uh, rash or age or uh, burning sensation when passing urine, uh, some sores or something like that, and or even ulceration. Uh, and you start, you, it's not like you're suspecting your partner, but for the sake of uh, having a good health outcome. Yes. Then at that point, you can decide to say, you know what, let's get tested. And that's the thing now. When people get tested and uh, it's positive, for instance, there's something we'll call contact tracing. Yes. So that means you need to look back three, six months backwards. Mm -hmm. Who have you been in contact with sexually? And when we say that's why we're, we're a bit, uh, uh, should I say, a bit careful with the word contact, because when we say sexual contact, it doesn't necessarily mean someone you've had proper penetrative sexual intercourse with. Yeah. So anyone you've been with in terms of having a sexual contact with them will trace back to see if they've got symptoms. If they haven't got symptoms, then they get to they need to get tested. And if they are positive then they you know get treated. And like I said earlier, the essence of the treatment or the early testing, detection and treatment is just to avoid the complications which might be detrimental to your health at the end of the day yeah. so that is really important and you know we've talked about barrier methods and i think it just brings me really nicely into talking about the i don't know if it's a phobia of condoms or a dislike mm. of condoms among mm. a lot of young men so you know we were talking to a lady on the episode and she was talking about her own sexual practices and she lives mm. in lagos and she's mm. very vocal about her sexual practices but she was yeah. talking about how difficult it is to encourage men to use condoms and a mm. lot of men often talk about these issues where a lot of men refuse to use condoms and don't want to use condoms so what do you say mm. to young men who feel that you know condoms diminish the sexual pleasure that they have during sex and so as a result of that refuse um use of condoms during sexual intercourse Perfect. Okay, so before I come to that, so just touching on condom, uh, you talked about refusal of using condoms, uh, myth about using condom in terms of uh, reducing sexual satisfaction and pleasure, and also the other thing we need to touch on is the availability of the condom itself. Growing up, right, in, in Nigeria and Africa, 
people think that if you are if you, if you've gone past the teenage age uh, at the age of consent for you to you know start engaging in sexual activity uh, it's not a misnomer for you to have condom in your possession it doesn't mean you're being reckless or it doesn't mean uh you're just hoping to get onto the next person and have some sexual escapade or something but it's possible that this things can happen it's part of the the growing up phase right so you need to protect yourself so that means you need to have that accessibility to uh the barrier method which is the condom most most likely and um so the practices the cultural practices where that's where enlightenment comes into place we are people don't really have that um they are not open to seeking for places or help to get condom first of all it's a problem and i think uh there's the restrictions sort of seem to have been uh, played on by some agencies who try to put condom in public places yeah. uh, even for free even in the hospital sometimes you go to the toilet and you see a vending machine that has got condom yeah. so meaning you can yeah if you feel shy to go get this publicly you can get it from there yeah. so and high institutions places where young people are predominantly they are employing this particular uh pattern to make sure that this gets uh, easily accessible to every young person which is one then coming to the aspect of refusing to use condom and that the truth of the matter is that um speaking from a male perspective <laughs> yeah there's actually a difference between uh using condom and not using it mm -hmm. uh but i like to look at things from uh, from both sides of the coin First of all, the advantages of using condom is that it prevents sexually transmitted infection and it prevents unwanted pregnancies. Of all the other methods of contraception, condom is the only one that will prevent STI. Yes. The, the other ones prevent pregnancy, yeah. but they don't prevent STI. So, and condom is the cheapest of all of them. Yes. So, <laughs> so that's getting two for the price of one. Yeah. And, um, also the advantage which a lot of people don't really think about is that if you've got a sexual dysfunction especially if you have a premature ejaculation and all that condom is one of the methods that will help to re-establish a proper sexual pattern for you because it makes it delays ejaculation so if you if a young person is having that problem some people can have ejaculatory problems based on functional problems or based on organic problems so if if you have it based on functional problem then condom is good for you because it will help to delay it and it will give you that sexual satisfaction and even your partner as well because at the end of the day the essence of having sexual pleasure or sexual intercourse is apart from procreation and every other reason it is also for pleasure that's it but in terms of sensitivity and uh, when i say sensitivity having the feel condom will diminish uh, the sexual sensitivity mm -hmm. but remember how i said it increases your uh makes it it increases it delays your ejaculation so it increases pleasure so pleasure in terms of duration and satisfaction for you and your partner and uh sensitivity in terms of having the skin-to-skin -skin contact 
which will probably lead to premature ejaculation if you've got that problem and at the end of the day your the needs of your partner is not met these are the things that you need to put side by side and weigh the options and do the risk benefit ratio whichever one is good for you but at the end of the day in the long run condom i think uh is is better than uh having unprotected sexual intercourse especially when your relationship with your partner has not really been solidified in terms of uh trust and uh faithfulness yes. if you get what i mean yeah, 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 definitely. And so what kind of advice would you then give to a young person who was having a casual sexual relationship with a man um, mm. who was resistant to use of condoms? How would you, one, encourage them to maybe get them on board to use condoms? And what kind of advice would you give them if you were counselling you were counselling them in a session? Yeah, so because you use the word casual, I suppose that is not, uh, that is a random kind of sexual, uh, yes. you know, relationship. So your health is more important. You need to, you need to, the, whoever it is you have a relationship with, who's, who's demanding having a non-condom or non-barrier method kind of sexual intercourse, uh, you need to explain to this person, uh, but you can start by if it goes on to become more of a regular uh, relationship or you're having regular intervals, then you need to have a conversation with this person. You need to know about it, the person's sexual history. Mm. So he needs to come clean, tell you what's happened. Mm. And probably both of you just need to get tested. That's the thing. So both of you get tested. And if, if, you, if you come clean and clear, then you go ahead and, you know, start having sex without the use of a condom or something but if there's any doubt like i said from the beginning if there's any doubt then you need to protect yourself because that is the most important the the, the complications that will arise from stis and the complications that it will lead to in terms of uh, affecting your compromising your fertility uh, these are things that you don't want to play with lightly yeah, yeah, that is really important. And I think that also comes into play where people are more educated. So the more people are aware of STIs, safe sex, safe sexual practices, the more they yeah. make better choices and the, the yeah. more they make better decisions as well. What would you say to our, the culture of not wanting to talk about sex too quickly to young people or young men in the fear that it will make them engage in sex sooner than they, they probably would have do you think that that is a valid concern to delay sex education or do you feel that we should actually do it sooner rather than later so that people can make better choices uh yeah so if we don't talk about it one way or the other young people still will get involved in sexual activity and they might get involved uh in the wrong way because they haven't been information empowers people you know, and I feel like any information that is not transformational is not helpful. Mm -hmm. So that means from the onset, this needs to be discussed. Uh, that's part of the, the cultural barriers that, you know, make this whole thing shrouded in secrecy. Uh, so people, young people need to, to, to this, need to have this education. They need to know what they will probably be coming, uh, in contact with. They need to know. Uh, what is safe and what is unsafe sex. They need to know about contraception. You know, if they have uh, gilly competence, uh, 
if, if they can you know make decision for themselves then they need to know about based on time empower them with this knowledge and information create a comfortable atmosphere for this conversation to thrive uh, from a non-judgmental perspective you know and let them share the experience let them tell you things and that's why i think every institution uh, should have uh, not just an advocacy group should have a young people's counseling uh, unit where they talk about this uh, even beyond the curriculum of their of their schools it might not be taught in a proper way in the school setting uh, sometimes they just teach about reproduction and reproductive health and all of that. But an atmosphere of openness where they feel uh, they can, you can explore, explore their vulnerability and talk about these things. Let them know uh, what they should be doing, what they are going to come up against. Uh, that empowerment, you know, uh, will really go a long way. And for young people to also be honest unless with uh, their counselors their doctors and you know volunteering information and sharing so i'll tell you a story <laughs> uh, when i was in medical school so that was uh 50 year. 50 is normally the year where we do obstetrics and gynecology so i was in a consulting room with other medical students with the professor probably his late 60s and a young girl of 17 came in after the whole clinic she she was about leaving and she just said can i ask you a question prof and he said all right go ahead and she said uh is it safe for me to have inner sex with my partner and uh, his glasses just dropped <laughs> was like <laughs> he was so uncomfortable so mm -hmm. when she left he said that girl has got an evil spirit <laughs> so 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 you see this is the thing that's what we're talking about yeah. people probably she's had uh stories or conversation with her friends and all of that so she wanted to get the medical aspect of things should she have it at that point i think the best thing to have to have happened is to first of all ask her why have you asked this question is there anything that's happened that's warranted you to ask this explore her her concerns you know and try to meet her expectations answer in a manner that is suitable for her at that time and that's it you know so if she gets if people get information from professionals they think they tend to hold on strongly to it than whatever information they get from anybody else so that's why professionals whether medical or counselors should be properly empowered to pass on this information to people who come to them especially yeah. young people Gosh, that that is yeah. That that sounds like quite. I can imagine how she must have felt leaving that yeah, yeah. consultation. Yeah. She's yeah. this professor who's at the pinnacle of his career and yeah. giving her the information you know that she needs. Um, and you know that brings me back to sort of culture and you know the fact that you said you know she has an evil spirit. That is a very culturally pervasive sort of mentality, especially when it comes mm. to sex and sexual practices. Mm. What would you say to parents about educating their children at home about sex, especially in the black context where mm. a lot of these things are very hush hush and um you know we, we don't say that children came came from sex, they they randomly landed from heaven into the household. Yeah. How, how do we talk about that to young children? Yeah, that also is an important aspect of the whole conversation because uh, 
parents i think need to use language uh, uh yeah languages that are specific to the age of whoever they are talking to mm. you know so you start early you don't wait until when they know what is sex and what is not sex you start early by if you want to develop uh, uh your personal lingo for genitalia and organs and all that do that but let them know not just the function uh in terms of because i know some people say uh you use tell you this is pp and that's just it no so you need to tell them depends on the age that if someone a man brings his pp to you tell him no you can't touch it or you don't have to see it yeah. because this can happen this can happen yeah. that is at that level yeah. then it gets to another level where you go ahead to explore more explain more to them yeah. so uh it's important for parents caregivers to use appropriate language for the age and sex of the person yeah. to explain these things because now we've gone past just normal even in terms of gender we've gone past normal binary gender and people need to children young people need this information so they don't get dazzled by what they see in the society yeah. and that's the only way they can adjust properly you know to to, to things that happen around them yeah that's amazing and so coming yeah. back to men and their sexual health and also taking responsibility and agency of their own bodies what advice would you give to men about their penile health and their scrotal health as well just in terms of hygiene um to both circumcised and uncircumcised men yeah the sense the first thing i would say to men for uh to take care of their penile health is uh watch out for for symptoms or watch out for things that are abnormal mm. Uh, so if, if you start seeing blisters, start seeing bumps, start seeing rash or something on your your penis or something, then it is not normal. At the end of the day, it might be normal, but it's better you speak out first and seek for help. Yeah. Okay. And it boils down to uh, what we've talked about from the beginning in terms of condom for for for, for uh, sexual intercourse. Uh, the importance of condom cannot be uh, overemphasized apart from preventing STIs, pregnancy and all that. It's also important that people even use it correctly. Yes. Yeah. Using it correctly is uh, quite an important bit of the whole thing. You know, some people use, uh, they feel less, lesser the lady is, uh, they feel the lady is not well uh, lubricated or she's not, well, you know, wet down there and they want to help by moisturizing the condom and all that. So, if you use some sort of lubricants on the condom, uh, because they are made of chemicals, they can cause some uh, break yeah. in the condom. Some of them are quite invisible, and that break can be uh, a route for exchange of body fluid, semen, vaginal fluid. And when that happens, there can also be transmission of STIs from that. Uh, that can also lead to sores, you know. When you have sores, irritation, and abrasion on the, on, on the vaginal wall or the penile wall, that, that can also be a means of transmission of STIs. So it's important for people to know that even though you say, oh, okay, I use condom, you have to use it correctly. Uh, if you think you want to lubricate your condom at any point at all, it's better you use 
maybe a water-based lubricant, you know, not something that has got some chemicals in it. All right, so that's one uh, aspect of, you know, taking care of your penile health. And like I said, uh, watching out for symptoms and uh, taking that uh, seriously as well. And yeah, just being proactive generally. Uh, if, if you've got an infection, uh, it needs to be treated on time. Uh, not all infections from of the penis are STIs. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's also something. You might be having discharge from your uh, private part, or you might be peeing more times than normal. It might be something else, maybe diabetes or something related to your scrotum. And for older men, it might be something related to your uh, to your prostate that needs to be sorted. So that's why you need to be uh, proactive with your health and uh, be outspoken, seek for help, especially from professionals, from doctors, from your GP uh, when needed. And the most important thing is um, to be responsible in the sense that you're looking out for the health of your partner as well, you know, not being selfish because at the end of the day, if you're not protecting yourself, or if your partner isn't protecting herself or your partner's self, then whatever you think you're trying to achieve at the end of the day will will just amount to nothing because both parties are not working as a unit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's so important. Looking out for each other um, yeah. in, in, in relationships, you know, in whichever sphere they come. And um, the last question, which we hadn't um, touched on in terms of our um, topic notes, but I think it's quite important when talking about sex, is, you know, last year there was a huge move in terms of Me Too when talking about sexual um, encounters. And a lot of men were finding that consent lines had become very blurred. Mm. And um, conversations about relationships, or even soliciting someone for to go for a date, or mm. when is it appropriate to kiss somebody, when is it not appropriate to kiss them, and how is this touch going to be interpreted, mm. things like that. What would you say to men who have gotten themselves into this situation where they feel so confused about what the rules are in terms of the rules of engagement are in terms of you know, developing a sexual relationship with somebody brand new. I mean, I'm, I'm so happy you asked this question because uh, <laughs> this is quite of a slippery, uh, slippery slope. Yeah. Um, so I had conversations uh, during the lockdown, the first lockdown with uh, a lot of people I was doing. Maybe I was doing a show uh, with, with some people and we just had conversations around this, especially uh, as it got to do with some uh form of uh, i think some celebrities and all that are having uh issues with uh rape and consent and how blurry the line is oh. what i would say is like they always say no means no mm. uh, but for men especially black men we've been told that no might mean keep trying mm. And uh, I don't think that's completely wrong. No can mean keep trying, but keep trying how? Mm. Is it keep trying in terms of communication or keep trying in terms of pressure physically to have a carnal knowledge of someone? Then mm. that is no. Mm -hmm. So if, if you talk to someone, if you like someone, talk to the person and the person says no, that doesn't mean you have to stop. Mm. If that's what you want, you can go ahead to reestablish the conversation again. Conversation, not anything else mm -hmm. 
But if it gets to the point where both of you are in the same place and you feel that's an atmosphere for uh, for intimate intercourse, and the person says no, that no is no. Okay. So that's the consent, and the consent also can be uh, withdrawn at any point in the process of the sexual encounter. Yeah. So uh, if there's an implied consent and there is uh, an outright one. So implied, if you start the whole thing, you think you're going along well and uh, the person, sometimes you don't need to ask someone, uh, can we have sex now? Yeah. You don't necessarily need to ask that. Depends on what level of relationship you've got into. But even if in the process you feel you've got this mutual uh, consent or uh, non-verbal mutual consent going on, and, and, and at some point this person feels detached and said, no, you know what, let's stop. Then you have to stop because if you go ahead, it means there's no consent. And the elements of rape before used to be force, carnal knowledge, and lack of consent. Mm -hmm. And now, it, I mean... Can uh, lack of consent is top on the list, yeah. you know, because if you look at sex, especially penetrative sex or uh, non penetrative sex, uh, non penetrative will be where probably mutual masturbation and things like that, smooching, rubbing of bodies, and everything, even that also has an element of consent in it, yeah. So, in general, if there is no outright consent in any sexual encounter then it might be interpreted as rape so that's where people need to be careful and not just men because it can also be on the opposite although men seem to be more on the offensive mm -hmm. so you need to establish that we are on the same page and if at any point we feel like we are not speaking the same language then they need to go back and reevaluate things and decide if you need to go forward or not. Because at the end of the day, mutual respect for each other has to come into play. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. I think that that was really, really important that we, we touch on that because we can't really mm. talk about sex without talking about the importance, the importance of consent. So that was a, an amazing episode. And just as we are rounding up, what do you want men to remember about safe sex? Okay. So uh, basically, um, for safe sex, uh, we've said that there are practices that will empower a man or will empower people to engage in sexual uh, relationship intercourse uh, that will prevent or reduce the exposure to STIs, prevent unwanted pregnancies, uh, to have pleasurable experience and to uh, prevent complications that will arise from STIs. So it's important that everyone takes charge of their sexual health. Uh, if you notice anything that is abnormal, anything that is out of the norm, if you ever think or you're in doubt of anything, then that means you need to get tested. Testing is an important and pivotal part of sexual, uh, of STIs, especially in places where uh, this, the testing is free and affordable. You should um, take that option, get tested, and uh, before you dive into having regular unprotected sexual intercourse with someone of the opposite sex or someone who's your partner, 
uh, you need to know their past sexual history. And uh, even though they might not have any symptom at the moment, uh, past sexual, uh, sexual infections can be a bit hidden, so to say, for a long term and can just come up at any time. So that's why it's important to go back in time, know about the history, everyone gets tested. If you need to get treated, you get treated. And so you can be well empowered to have a wonderful sexual uh, encounter, so to say. And it's important that people, young men especially, also break the barrier of not having conversation around sexual experience, sexual pleasure, and sexual dysfunction. If you've got any of these problems, you need to meet a counselor, meet a doctor, speak to the person, and seek help appropriately. Yeah. That is amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Pepper. Where can our listeners and viewers find you online? Uh, so online, I'm uh, very active on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is Dr. Pepper. That's D-R-P-E-P-P-L-E. And on Twitter, uh, is Dr. Pepper Daddy, I think. Yeah, those are the two ones I'm very, very active on. Yeah, so just get 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 in contact and if you've got any questions if you, especially if you're an img international medical graduate if you need any help uh we are, i offer free advisory services and i'm happy to help you to overcome any pitfall so you don't make unnecessary mistakes and you can have a nice time in the nhs if that's your dream fantastic thank you so so much for joining us on right. and also thank you for having me like it is I don't even understand how you got to pick me of everyone you should pick to be on this episode. It's quite, yeah, I really appreciate, like, I, I really appreciate the partnership. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you. It was a really good conversation. Um, right. And, yeah, I think it will be, it's very, very useful. It's so important to talk about these things because, hmm. yeah, yeah. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as we have. Make sure you leave us a rating or two on iTunes and share the episode with a friend or two who have not heard about us before. And please send us all your questions, suggestions and thoughts at hello at tabudoctor.com. We definitely want to hear from you. Subscribe to our newsletter as well and follow us on social media. Until next time, stay safe and keep slicing health fact away from health fiction.